Hi, this is Laura Brem. And my name is Wyatt Troy. And I want to welcome everyone to Behind the Daw. We interview artists and music industry experts on an emotional, philosophical, and artistic level to get inside their heads, gather the best information, and then bring it back to you. By the way, this is a companion podcast to our new YouTube series, In the Daw, where we invite artists to dissect their songs in real time. If you have any artists you would like to see come on the show, or if you have any feedback in general, you can contact me at Wyatt at musicandstuffllc.com. start off, I got three deep questions that are for you to, to get you warmed up. Does that sound good? Sure. If a cyclops closes its eyes, is it a blink or a wink? <laughs> it's a blink. Do you have any reasoning behind that? I guess my definition of a wink would be that one eye has to still be open. He's not even capable of a wink. That's deep. Right. <laughs> Number two, let's say you're in your car, you're in a car and you're going the speed of light and then you turn on your lights. What happens? Huh, it's an interesting thought. You're just going to be like floating within that light. You're going to be like an aura. There's like going to be an aura around your car traveling with you. So you turn on the lights and then the light goes around the car. Yeah, because I guess it, cause it wouldn't be right just going ahead of you and it wouldn't, yeah, lag behind. I don't know. I'll have to try that sometime. <laughs> when you have some spare time this weekend, go ahead and try that. <laughs> Last one. Let's say there is a room and the room is completely made of mirrors, but there's nothing in the room. So what does it look like inside? That would be trippy. I almost cursed. That would be so trippy. Just feel like you're floating in an infinite little, I, I don't even know. Where would you even feel like you are? Where's the floor? Even the floor would be a mirror? Yeah, everything. Yes. <laughs> so one last one. Actually, I said the last one was the last one, but now we're going to do a little fun one. If those ones weren't fun enough, here's a fun one, right? And then we'll bring it into the, like, the real interview. Why doesn't Tarzan have a beard? Too many like bugs and things would live in it. And it gross. <laughs> it's good. All right. <laughs> so on to more important things. <laughs> Laura Brem, the woman, the myth, the legend is here. Really quick, I want to tell you how I even came across you. I was driving in my car, in my minivan. Nope, I didn't have a minivan then. I was in a different car <laughs> and I was in there and all of a sudden I heard something on Mr. Suicide Sheep and it was you. It was your song with Evoke produced it, Don't Wait. I heard that and I like instantly, I was like that meme. It's just like, shut up and take my money. You know what <laughs> I mean? It was just like, okay, I'm an instant fan. Like this is amazing. I was on my way to watching Wonder Woman, by the way. I don't know why that's important. Oh, I love that movie. <laughs> like, anyways, ever since then, I've just been listening to you. I've looked at your old stuff as well as keeping up with your new stuff and gosh dang it Laura I don't think you understand the, ta <laughs> the talent that you have the skill I don't know what to call it the gift oh thank you Absolutely. that means a lot so what to school for psychology tell me about that so I actually started out at university as a music major I was doing music performance I started out as a piano major I went into this music performance program which was great I was also taking a few other electives like intro to music production and music theory and stuff like that. But when it came to the instruments, you know, you had to pick one for the entire four years. And I wanted to do piano, guitar, voice, drums. I wanted to take production, I wanted to take business, I wanted to do all this stuff. And I ended up switching to voice from piano. And then I ended up going to psychology and switching out of music altogether because I felt like I wanted to learn something that was kind of outside of music. I was doing music on my own time anyway. I think I was just kind of craving something a little more academic. I discovered I have a passion for psychology as well, not as much as music, but I ended up studying for almost the entire length of the program and almost got my degree. That was about the time that music was kind of picking up. And so I actually dropped out of 
school completely. But the classes that I took in psychology ended up being really valuable, actually. And ironically, they have helped me a lot in my career, <laughs> even though, you know, I didn't end up getting that music degree or the psychology degree, just kind of learning more about that realm of things, I think has helped me navigate like the music industry better and working with people, even in just my lyric writing and stuff like that. Just like a lot of the concepts that I end up writing songs about tend to be pretty psychological and deep. So it sounds like you just went from one end of the spectrum to the other, because you were saying you're like, when you got into the music program, you're like, man, I want to play guitar, I want to play piano, I want to sing, I want to do music production, I want to learn about business. And then it, it seems like all of a sudden it's just like, nope, I want to do psychology. Just went completely the other side. So like, was that gradual or did you just wake up one day and you're like, mm, no, let's just switch. I actually went through kind of a big transition during that time too, because starting around when I was 16 until I switched when I was about 19 and I switched to psychology major. I was doing just my solo music and I was really kind of going for that as like a pop indie singer songwriter solo artist. And I had a time once I got into college where things started changing and, and that w I wasn't really feeling that anymore, like going in that direction. And I'm not going to say like I almost quit music, but it was more just like I, I knew I just kind of needed to do something different for a little bit. And I didn't stop making music, but I think that I was just kind of trying out other things and seeing what would happen. And I took psychology as like an elective before, like in high school and then my first semester and I really liked it. So I was like, oh, I think I'll just, I'm just gonna try that and also take like stuff like philosophy and things like that. But shortly after I had switched, my major was kind of around the time when I started getting into like doing EDM. I needed to, I guess, take classes that wasn't as connected with the music program as I originally thought it would be to what I was doing as music. And I was working with people in Denver, like DJs and producers and just kind of, again, getting back into my singing and songwriting. Yeah, it was like a really big transitional period for me. Here I am still doing EDM. That timing kind of lined up. Really quick, to the side of you, I keep seeing smoke. Is something on fire? Oh, I have incense burning. So. Okay, that makes me feel a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> like, do I stop her? Do I tell her? Do we just keep going? <laughs> This is really, really interesting to me. If you did finish the program, you did get to the degree. I mean, what in the psychology field would you want to do? Something along the lines of a therapist? Later in life, I'll still probably end up finishing my degree and getting a master's in something. I'm really interested in kind of the positive psychology, health psychology, spiritual psychology, like those realms, which which they aren't the biggest realms within psychology. It's mostly abnormal psychology or, or fixing problems. I really like preventative approach to health and holistic health. I'm really into that. So I, I could have finished my undergrad and, and continued with that. But again, it, it was like it came down to I was writing papers for my psychology classes. And then I had vocals that I wanted to record for a producer. <laughs> like I have X amount of time, or I have to get it done by this day, which one am I going to do? But I went with the music. I'm really glad I did. I still like kind of read psychology books. I'm still trying to always learn about those topics. And I think all 
also those subjects kind of also come with like life experience and wisdom. And so that makes more sense to me too. Like rather than getting my master's in that when I'm in my 20s later in life, that would be awesome. I'd still love to do that. When I think about, you know, a psychology major, and this is probably not the correct thing to think about. When I think about someone who's a psychology major, I feel like you can look at me and basically know everything about me right now. You know, the way that I'm sitting, <laughs> the way that I'm talking, so some of my gestures and stuff like that. Is that true? I mean, like, can you read people pretty easy or is that kind of just like a myth? I would say that is a myth. I feel like I can more pick up on people's vibes and like I can sense people like I'm I'm kind of an empath in that way and I I feel what other people are feeling. Maybe it has to do more with that like being able to empathize with people or like understand, but I definitely can't read your mind. Okay. So don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> so now in your point in your life, you left school behind, you've been focusing on your career, everything's been going, at least from the outside looking in, everything looks like it's been going profoundly well. You've been release after release, collaboration after collaboration, you did an EP last year. Thanks, yeah. Tell me about Electric Bird Records. What's going on with that? What's the philosophy behind it? I kind of realized like, I don't feel like I had a place really where my my new solo music was going to be released on. My solo music, I wouldn't call it pop. I'd say it has pop elements, but it's not something that I think I would send to like major labels, for example. And it doesn't quite fit with you know, a lot of the labels I've been working with for years, like Monster Cat and CS, it's not full on EDM. It kind of organically came about. I had already been like self-publishing my songs under Electric Bird Publishing. It was like, oh, well, I'm just going to give this, you know, it is. A, it was a self-release. I was like, I'm just going to give it like a name, basically. Yeah. So the first song was Don't Wait, which was produced by Evoke. And then a couple months later, my EP with Evoke, Future Holds, the label that that was on dissolved. And so that that EP was just kind of floating and just like wasn't anywhere. It got taken off Spotify and we wanted to put it back out. And so I was like, well, it's folk, it's electronic. It's not quite pop, but it's kind of poppy. And it really fit like as a follow up to Don't Wait. I asked Evoke if he'd be okay with me putting it on the label and he was cool with it. And then there was the Breathe EP and the Breathe EP mixes. It just kind of kept evolving as like with each release where I was like, what am I going to do with this? And then I was like, well, it fits with this thing that I have that where it's self-releasing. So I'm just going to do that. And then it just kind of has turned into like more of like, I'm becoming more and more passionate about that particular sound. You know, I started thinking, well, what if, you know, other artists might be interested in getting on board with this and maybe other people could, you know, share my vision. And yeah. I was sent an EP from a singer-songwriter in Canada. Her name's Kara Lay. She was pitching her EP to be released on Electric Bird. And, you know, I hadn't put anything out there like now taking submissions or anything because I, you know, I'm not trying to rush into just... Yeah. I'm not going to release stuff like every week and just try to be like an online only YouTube label, which is fun. I'm trying to bring in traditional elements plus the, you know, electronic scene elements. And that's going to take a lot of time to build up a label like that people want to actually release their music on and, and be like, that's the legitimate label. But Kara sent me her EP and I listened, I opened it up and I listened to the first song and my, my jaw just like dropped. I was just like, oh my gosh, this sound, this is exactly what I, I would look for. Yeah. Releasing another artist, like before that, you know, I had only released music that I was involved with, my solo stuff, the Future Holds EP, the remixes of my solo songs. But I heard this EP and I was kind of shocked that again, it just fit so well. It just felt right. So I've been working with Kara on that and 
and um, I'm lucky enough to have her trust me and and in taking the lead with like the business aspects of it. It happened again. I had another female singer songwriter send me an EP and <laughs> same thing. So I will be announcing that in a couple weeks. There's there'll be another release, you know, after Kara's EP. But it's interesting how I didn't think kind of like how years ago I didn't I didn't really think I'd end up doing EDM vocals. That's my kind of main thing. Kind of same thing. I didn't think I'd end up wanting to start a label. The amount of work that it takes, the amount of risk that's involved, it's starting to become something I'm I'm really passionate about too. And again, I'm taking it really seriously, making sure I'm doing it correctly. And, you know, again, learning, I'm building my team. It's not just me. It is me running the label, but, you know, I have, I have my management. I have PR, yeah. marketing, lawyers. I'm building my team slowly. And I guess as I'm continuing to also build my career as an artist, the label is kind of coming up alongside and it's going to be a little slower and take a lot more for it to kind of develop. But it, I feel like it's it's organically kind of happening and I'm really excited about it. It makes me really happy. Get up every day and, and work on it. So just so that I understand, so what you're saying is that basically this label, if you look at, you know, if you take my left hand here and you take my right hand here on the right hand, this is like the EDM kind of more electronic side over here is more the organic folk side but you're saying your label loves to exist somewhere in the middle right here is that what you're saying yes exactly i felt like there wasn't really a label that has done that at least not that i'm aware of specifically i want to bring that presence into the industry more that's kind of my goal and i want to support it's not only a place for me to release my music of course i'll still release on other labels as i see fit but mm -hmm. having that home base and then being able to work with other artists who are just as passionate about that sound, that's really like a dream come true yeah. for me. And I can only just hope that the reality will turn out to be as you know big as I can um, dream it. Stepping away from the label, more so focusing on you and, and your music. So your lyrics, and the way that you present your lyrics, where ah, you sing them and everything, is just there's something about it that resonates with my soul. Maybe that doesn't fully encompass what I'm feeling, but that's, that's about as good as it's going to get right now. What has been your absolute favorite song to write that has just resonated with you so much? You're like, ah, oh, if only every song could be like this. <laughs> No, I'd have to say Diamond Sky with Elliot Berger because that was one of my first collabs. Something about it just like really resonated, I guess, for me personally. And I think it just kind of, I mean, I had a few releases before that that I think really helped give me momentum in the EDM scene, like Waking Dreams with Two Thirds, like some of those early like Monster Cat releases. But Diamond Sky was like, it just kind of felt like it was like just on a like a deeper level and just a little bit more of a surprising uh, outcome. And it actually kind of in my personal life, like connected me with a group of friends who are like now some of my best friends in my life, introduced me to Ellie at Burger and like a lot of these people in the UK that we're kind of like a tight-knit group of friends. We have like a Facebook group chat that we just talk to each other every day and about music and, and life and stuff. But that song was what kind of brought us all together because it was like people who were working with Elliot 
at the time. And that was kind of interesting. So it has like a lot of meaning. So are you saying the, the reason why Diamond Sky holds such a special place in your heart is because of the relationships that was fostered with that song? Yeah, pretty much. It's, it's amazing to me how, what music can do, like what, how it can bring people together. And, you know, a lot of the people in my life are musicians or people in the music business. And a lot of those close friendships uh, that I have. And like, if I hadn't written that song or if Elliot hadn't sent me that instrumental one day, you know, that might've not happened is really interesting to me. And I just feel like how different things would be. Also, cause like London holds a really special place in my heart. And, you know, Elliot's from London. And when we, when we worked on the track, we were doing it by sending files back and forth, you know, between London and Colorado. So it can make things like that happen even that far away. Yeah. And in our world today, like, it's just so crazy how that's possible and, and just so cool too. Like I never, again, I'm going to say, I never thought this would happen, but when I was younger and we didn't even have smartphones yet or anything or Facebook didn't exist yet. <laughs> Never thought that something like that would be even possible. Exactly what you're talking about is one of the hidden gems of getting into the music industry because I had no idea the friends that I would gain from coming into here. I mean, you, you and I are we're mutual friends with these people. So like Austin Collins, AU5, he's one of my best musician friends. Like we talk all the time. You know, Alden, Alden Evoke, like he, oh man, like he's amazing. Sam Dobkin, you know Sam. A lot of these people that have already been on the show, I'm, I'm just like, I didn't realize how deep of a connection that I was going to make with these people. The reason why I got into music, the reason why I started doing the podcast and everything had nothing to do with that. But once I got in, it was like, if that thing was taken away, I don't know if I could still keep doing what I'm doing. Oh, yes, 100%. Some of these people, they basically feel like they're family. Like Anna Yvette, fellow singer, songwriter, producer. She's like a sister to me. We met because of music. We actually made Summer Never Ends together in the studio. But we had met before that. We clicked just so quickly and became so close. Totally agree with you. It's amazing. They're like lifelong friendships, you know, that happen. I was asking you about your favorite song that you've wrote, written, wrote-ed. <laughs> that you've either one, that you've written. <laughs> that you have that created. You <laughs> your solo stuff, you know, just you. What what has been your absolute favorite song that you that you've wrote, written? <laughs> Gosh dang <laughs> English sucks. I like the songs for different reasons. Right now, for me, the most impactful one for me was Don't Wait. It came to me at such like a critical time in my life, early, mid 2016, when I started writing it. And then I worked with Alden producing it for, you know, a couple months. Shout out to Alden. He did a great job. The production was perfect. It just fit so well. I was going through kind of a tough time in my life when I wrote that song. And, and it was another, it was a big transitional period where I had had been on anti-anxiety medication for about five years and I was getting off of it kind of just not accepting that anymore just I don't want to do this anymore I'm not gonna let this hold me back anymore feeling and that song really was just about me just like taking I don't know how to like word it like taking the reins I'm not gonna let this anxiety like keep me down anymore stop me from doing things 
Um, Because that's what it did for like a long time. I think that song helped me kind of process that going through those changes. Like it helped me in the chorus to say like, now the light in your heart is resonating. Keeping that like hope and that forward movement. That was big for me. And then it being the first kind of release on the label and my first solo release since before I got into EDM. All of those things combined, it was really impactful and wow. meaningful for me. So that song is actually the reason why we're here today. That That is the first song that I heard from you. And I didn't realize that that's what it was about. To be honest, when I was, when I was listening to it, I kind of had the vibe that it was about a, re- a relationship, but maybe it was about a relationship, but it was a relationship about, you know, with yourself. Yeah. I mean, it can totally be interpreted as that too, I think. But yeah, it was more about like a self, your own journey. So from what I've been able to kind of piece together with you, really focusing on your solo releases, as well as your collaborative ones, and you know, you're talking about your own mental health in this song with Don't Wait, it sounds like you have a very good sense of self-worth. Would you feel that's correct? Yeah, I'd say so. Like anyone, I've struggled with that from time to time. Primarily, my intuition is really strong. So it kind of keeps me on the right track and just like keeps me kind of aware and, and conscious as they can be. I grew up with a lot of girls in my family. I mean, like a lot of girls in my family. I mean, like a lot of girls in my family. <laughs> it was something that I that I noticed with every single one of them, you know, as opposed to like my friends that were guys or family members that were guys is that a lot of girls and this this tears me apart. And with being a father, this tears me apart to think about that my daughter could go through this one day is that women and especially young women between the ages of say, teenage years to 30 around, around that really struggle with self-worth or self-image or self-esteem. I guess guys don't really struggle. I mean, maybe a little bit. I mean, yeah, we're, we're self-conscious sometimes, you know, as, as a general rule, but I don't think that we've went through what the average woman goes through. So with, with you, did you go through that at times or mostly were you okay? Were you like, no, pretty awesome. You know? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I would agree with you. I think that a lot of women and young women and teenage girls struggle with that. I, th- I think a huge part of that is just our society and our perception of like the expectations that are placed on physical beauty yeah. and maybe certain behavioral expectations or things like that. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure. I would say that I don't think that was a huge part of it for me. Mm-hmm. I think that me having music always really was that helped me a lot it was a place I could go where I feel like myself I feel like I'm expressing myself I'm doing something that I love and it's an outlet and I feel safe and comfortable and it makes me feel happy and I feel really lucky to like have something like that that's so powerful but I think for me it was more about the pure anxiety aspect. It's more of like a lack of, I don't have control. Wanting to hold on to things that need to change or if someone else does something and I don't I don't agree with it or wishing that I could like change things, uh, like change other people or change situations. I think that's kind of more where that stems from. I think a lot of people might struggle with that. And it's just more also like an existential anxiety of like not feeling grounded. And I think 
things like technology kind of prevents us from being more really connected to the earth, feeling in your body rather than feeling in your head. Um, So for me, it was more about that. You know, I fully stand by things like, you know, the feminist movement and things like that. Like, I totally think that there's a reason for that and there's a place for that. I just hope that that entire self-worth issue kind of changes for young women. It's hard to see that happen. How is it being a woman inside of electronic music? Because I can't give you a statistic other than my own personal experiences, but I don't see a lot of women in electronic music. You are the first person that I have interviewed that is a woman on this show. Not because I don't want to interview women, but because vast majority of producers are men. What is it like being is? I mean, is it normal? It's just whatever, you know, it doesn't really bother you. Have you been treated differently because you are a woman inside of electronic music? I grew up with two brothers. You know, I have so many friends that are male and like I really don't ever feel like I'm being treated in like a sexist way. It definitely happens. I think I've been lucky where I I haven't really experienced that. And also just because the people I work with are awesome and they're great people and they're my friends. But it is interesting to me how, like you said, 95% of electronic music producers are male. What I notice most is that people are actually like surprised if I actually produce something. When I produce the Breathe EP, like even though they're not like dubstep songs or something, people were so like, you produced that? What? It was like a huge surprise. And I, I took that as a compliment in a way, but I was also kind of a little taken back. So I was like, well, why wouldn't I not? Yeah, <laughs> why yeah. is that such a shocker? Yeah. I mean, I am a musician and I've been doing this for years, like more than 10 years. It's just simply because of there is that expectation that, oh, there's usually going to be like a male producer behind this song or whatever. So I find that interesting. And I think that, you know, people are just less like willing to accept, oh yeah, she can produce this. When uh, Anna Yvette produced Summer Never Ends, we had the producer named Fool. He did like some additional production, like he added in some layers and stuff. Like I was there in the studio with Anna and, you know, she chose those drum samples. She made the beat, like she made that synth sound, like all that stuff. I think people were still like commenting on the YouTube uh, video of Summer Never Ends being like, why isn't Fool a main artist? It's really primarily Anna's production and that's what we all decided on you know Fool was okay with being in the credits as additional production by Fool that's what it was I think they're just more surprised oh wow she can actually make this beat I want to change that and I'm sure a lot of other women in the industry do too we do have some great female producers out there that are doing really well but it would be great to see more and just more interest for more females to take an interest into production I do want to mention something while we're talking about this because after I release Kara's EP, which comes out March 2nd, the next EP that I'm releasing on my label is an EP by a female singer-songwriter. Each It's a five-track EP. Each track is produced by a different female producer. I'm really, really excited about that. I want more females to like look at Ableton and be like, yeah, I can do this. Yeah. Like, you know, I can sit down and learn this. It's, it's not going to be like rocket science. Totally doable. And personally, I know a few producers inside of the inside of the scene that are women, you know. Do you know who Sippy is? I don't. Oh, Sippy is awesome. She's really, she's from Australia. She's really, really awesome. And I, I personally don't know Rez. I know you know Rez. And I'm trying to think, this, this proves the point that there needs to be more women producers because I'm not, they're right. not coming up to my mind right now. Women have just as much right to be inside of the music industry just as much as men do. I don't know if the reason why there's more men than women inside, you know, at least the electronic field. 
I don't know if the reason why there's more men than women is because men are more interested in this generally than women, or if because, you know, women feel disenchanted with this or, you know, they feel intimidated or, or I, do, I don't know. Right. I don't know yeah, the that's, reason why. That's the question, isn't it? Yeah, that's the question why is because it, you're right. It is far outweighed from men to women. It's not even like kind of close. And I want to know why, because I would love to see more women inside of the music industry in general, but especially in the electronic field that you and I are in, because I think it could bring a lot to it because, man, there are some people inside the music industry that I know personally that could use woman's touch that, can, <laughs> that are just like, dude, like you can't talk like that, man. Yeah, I agree. So, but you, you personally, with all of your endeavors inside of music, you've never been treated differently or disrespected or anything because you've been because you are a woman i'm trying to think the fact that you have to try and think is a good sign yes <laughs> yes i would say like i have had experiences like that but it's more like in my in my life like not necessarily connected to music oh, I see. you know i've definitely experienced some behavior from <laughs> i don't know how to put it you know what i mean i think that sometimes what what comes up is like again i don't know if this is because i'm a woman or not it's but it's more i think about being the featured vocalist just like sometimes i feel like kind of brushed aside or like i don't get a fair cut i don't feel like the weight of that like is really like i don't think people give enough weight to the featured vocalist because like a lot of the time the featured vocalist, you know, she or he is writing, making that track a song. The vocal, if it's a bad vocal, sure. you're kind of in trouble. In my opinion, great production is a huge, huge, huge element and it adds so much to the track. I do think it's like, especially in EDM, it's like a 50-50 thing. Like yeah. you could take one great vocal if you had different production styles on it that makes like, also makes it different songs. Look at like Bob Dylan or something as an example. Like you have a great song but it's maybe not the best like it's like rough sounding a little bit but you're still gonna listen to it there's not as much weight kind of given to the vocalist I think a lot and it's unfortunate in the EDM scene it's interesting kind of how I feel like vocalist doesn't get that much credit yeah. a lot of the time I picture the the vocalist a track like a production is like a house and then once you put the singer on there the vocalist on there it becomes a home. You strip out those vocals. It could still be cool. A house could still be cool. But at the end of the day. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. At the end of the day, you know, we want a home. You know, if you think about it like this, right? So let's say now I, I, I can kind of pick on Alden because he's my friend. But let's say don't wait with Alden. Evoke. Shout out Alden. Love you, man. But if you were to take that and you were to strip all your vocals, it's still pretty cool. It's still, it's, it's, it's still you know, the guitar is beautiful. Rhythm's beautiful, you know, the vibe is still is still beautiful. That's that's pretty cool. But how long could, would someone listen to that? I'm sure there's some people that still would. I'm still I'm sure there's some people that's that would listen to it regardless. From my opinion, that vocal is what really like, oh man, like this there's something about this. It just makes me feel at home. I love that analogy. I've never heard that. And I one thousand percent agree with that. We're in the one thousand range. One thousand percent. That is amazing. Because even like in the same example, you know, with Don't Wait. If we were to strip your vocals and put it on something else, let's say just an acoustic track, let's say some type of remix, let's say something, you know, some track that's like completely ugly. The fact is that the, the vocal is still beautiful. It's like making a home out of a tin shack or a cave or whatever. You can still make it a home. You know what I mean? You take a beautiful <laughs> yeah. singer, you put them anywhere. You know, certain things can can make it, you know, the, certain things can make the singer shine a little bit more, a little icing on the cake, of course. But at the end of the day, you can put a beautiful singer anywhere. You could, I could literally, I could put you in a tin shack somewhere, you know, Utah desert. We're in the Utah desert. 
Tin Shack, you, your audience is crows and scorpions. But I can guarantee I put you in a Tin Shack because you have such a beautiful voice. Thank you. It's a home. <laughs> I would like to see when an EDM producer releases a song with a singer-songwriter, especially when that singer-songwriter writes the vocal. You know, sometimes the, the singer just might be performing it and like other songwriters have written it. Every track is different. But for me, if if the vocalist also wrote the song, it should be, for example, Elliot Berger and Laura Brem Believe, not Elliot Berger featuring Laura Brem Believe. For me, I know that maybe people would say, oh, like that's not a big deal, but I think it is because I think that that little feature in the title has made it harder. It's harder for vocalists then. Now, I think it does show up on Spotify now, but like a lot of the time, like you don't get tagged as the main artist if you're the feature. It doesn't show up on your artist profile on iTunes. If you're the feature, also, I think just the mental, just like mentally, like reading that, like featuring blah, 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 whoever the singer is, then you don't quite as associate them as much as having so much more involvement in the um, track. I think that's just, again, just like an expectation or something. I would like to see people giving the credit where it's due and like letting because a lot of a lot of times like producers don't want for some reason, like they don't want it to be and singer like they're like no it has to be featuring because my track but it's like well i'm i'm writing the song so i could take this song and i could go elsewhere with it what? all right now i'm getting like worked up well, yeah, get, this is good let's get worked up let's, let's do this so <laughs> why 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 do people do that do you think it's just a, a dominance thing of when people are like no i want it to be blah 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 featured blah 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 instead of blah 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 and blah 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 they think it looks maybe looks better or it makes more sense. I don't know. Like I wouldn't do that. I would not do that. If I was collaborating with someone, even if <laughs> I was producing it and one day, maybe, you know, I'll be a main producer on my, some of my collabs, but well, I will be one day, but I mean like the only one producing it. And let's say I collaborate with a singer. I wouldn't put them as a feature. Like I would feel like that's not fair. I don't know. I just don't understand it. I mean, I think back in 2012, when I first started getting into it, I mean, that wasn't really a thought that I had. It was just like, I didn't really think about the what that would, would affect back then. I didn't know anything about the EDM scene. I don't know. It, it's just interesting how that's become the norm. And like, yeah, I don't, I, I don't fully understand it. I mean, I could, I could rant about it on Twitter, like for a week, but that won't really do much good. I don't think so. Studies have shown that Twitter rants are actually extremely, I'm kidding. No, Definitely. <laughs> they're not. I think it's more about like when you're in the process of making those collaborations, like it's good to just communicate about that early on, you know, to yeah. say like, well, are we both going to be main artists? What's the idea here? Like, no. how are we going to do this? Like, it's good to bring up things like that early. And from my experience, a lot of the people I work with are totally fine with it. That's and awesome. and they don't take it as like, oh, that's that's not correct. Or so maybe if just more, you know, vocalists can just kind of bring that up while they're in the process of collaborating, maybe that can start to change. When two people come together and they create music, you know, i.e. a producer and a vocalist. To me, you know, th this might just be my own opinion. Well, it is my opinion. This might just be me, but that to me, when someone creates something like that, when they create a song, something so intimate as a song, I see that as something I would almost define as sacred. That is a beautiful thing when two people come together and they create something like that. And so to me, you know, I want to relate this to marriage. You know, I'm a married man. I've been married for three years and I, I love my wife with all my heart. I think about what if someone showed up to my house 
And there's a title on my house that says, Wyatt featuring Kylie. <laughs> what? That makes no sense. We've created something beautiful. We've created marriage. We've, we have kids together. We've created a life together, a home together. She has put in just as much work as I have. Why should it be Wyatt featuring Kylie? That doesn't make any sense. When something is something so sacred and so special, so intimate as making music with someone, why is that any different? Why should it be so-and-so featuring Laura Brim? No, Laura Brim, she put the heart and soul into that song, man. You just made the bones. You just made the structure of it. Yes, of course, the, the song wouldn't exist without you, but still, you guys are partners. What's interesting, too, is that I wouldn't say a lot of my collabs, I'd say maybe a little... And not even half, maybe a little less than half, you know, I actually wrote the vocal first and the producer produced around it. Those are the ones I especially, especially push for it to be an and because I mean that that's more like it should be Laura Bram song title produced by so and so. A lot of the times I write a song with the intent that it's that it's gonna be a collab, just like a producer might write an instrumental with the intent that you know I'm gonna write a vocal for it. If any of those end up where I'm the feature, I yeah, am not happy no. about that. You're not right. happy at all. And it's happened. And it really, it's tough. It, it kind of hurts a little bit because it just doesn't feel fair at all. I do feel like there is a place for featuring so-and-so and produced yes. by so-and-so. I do feel like there's a certain place. You know, like, again, if we go back to the analogy of my house, you know, I didn't put in the, the refrigerator, right? I didn't do that. So in that case, it would be fine to say Wyatt and Kylie featuring Lowe's or Wyatt and Kylie featuring Home Depot. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like in that kind of situation, yeah, you know, they, they helped out. They did something with the house to, to make it, you know, more comfortable for us or, you know, to put it in a real life situation. Let's say, you know, you and Alden are making a song. Actually, this is perfect. Are we allowed to talk about the song that you and Austin Alden are making? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. So per- this is a perfect example. Okay. So let's say that you, this song with you and Alden and Austin are making this song. So you, AU5 and, and Evoke. If someone came in, let's say for all intents and purposes, it's me. Let's say I come in and I'm like, hey, by the way, there's this cool little thing that you can do with this section right here. Maybe, maybe I, I helped put in a bridge or something. So in that kind of a case, yeah, I'm fine with that at that point. Yeah. You know, I didn't, I didn't create the song all the way. I didn't write the lyrics. I didn't do this. I didn't do that. Exactly. But you know, I still would like some kind of recognition. We on the same page? Yes. Same paragraph? Totally, because I've been in situations like that for sure. And yeah, yeah, that's where it absolutely makes sense. And it's fair. That's fair. Who did what? What was the amount of work that was put in? Yeah, and then you just have to look at that. I think it should reflect in the title. Man, we could talk about this all day because this is such a good subject. We've talked about you. We talked about your music. I want to look at the the much bigger picture. You know what I mean? I want to look at the, the lower brim existence here on the earth. Just out of curiosity, what has been the most beautiful and amazing experience you've ever had in your life. It could re- it could be related to music, it could not. It's, it's it's wherever the dice fall. I think it was the first big show that I ever had and it was an acoustic set opening up for the band Heart and I was really 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 nervous. <laughs> I got out on stage and it was in front of me like 2000 people but 
um, I got out on stage and I could barely like start the first song and I was like shaking and like, <laughs> I was only like 19. I remember like, like sitting there trying to get started and, and it was like a sit down theater. So it was like really quiet. Like everyone was just staring at me and the people in the front were, they didn't know who I was. They were there for heart. They kind of started like cheering me on like, you got it girl. Like, come on, you can do this. I started playing and like got through the first song. And then I think I just remember like how it, it was like a pretty long set too. It was maybe like 40 minutes and I just remember so clearly like how I felt once I had kind of gotten over the nerves and I just felt in my element and I just I felt almost this like like I honestly still to this day feel like that's the best I have ever performed or like sang. like by the end of the set I was like higher performer in me like came out and it was like I was feeding off of the energy of the crowd that was being really supportive and I just remember feeling so in the moment just so present and so happy and I guess yeah for me that was like that was um, a big moment for me like to kind of just solidify like this is what I want to do like this is what I feel like I was meant to do that's when that stands out there's two important days in someone's life the the first important day is when God created you and the second important day is when you find out why God created you mm, and so it kind yeah, of I've heard that yeah so it kind of sounds like for at least those 40 minutes it sounded like you experienced that to some degree it's just like man this is like it felt like you found your place so to say is that correct yeah yeah it just that feeling I think that that's the feeling that I chase with doing music for me it's like the best feeling yeah it's like that's what I chase when I'm writing a song I, I look for that feeling of oh yes like this is this is what I, I want out of this song and like or this just works or this just feels right or when I'm recording vocals and I'm just like in the right feeling and I'm like in the right mindset and it just feels like it's flowing when you perform it's the same way or you're just up there you're not really thinking about anything else you're just kind of in your own little world and you just feel so in tune with everything like that's happening in that moment and I think that's what a lot of artists strive whether it's music or not it's that creative energy coming to that point of like actualization or like yeah. tangible now like this is like a real thing where the idea is presented and you're like this is what I was trying to do <laughs> what's beautiful about that feeling is that not only is that attainable by anyone in the music industry but anyone in general it doesn't matter who you are it doesn't matter where you are it doesn't matter what you do if someone feels the exact same way that you feel about music but they feel that way about making sweaters they can achieve exactly that, that is the beautiful thing about humanity you said the best like it's like a moment of self-act how do you say it? Actualization. Actual actualization. I'd also throw in the the term like euphoria, like euphoric yes. self actualization. Yes. Perfect term for it. Yeah. <laughs> so I can't even actualization. <laughs> actualization. <Thank> actualization. You. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's you. It's that euphoric. You found your calling. You have your purpose. Yeah. Your your place. It's your dream coming real. And I also want to point out that. That feeling, that euphoric actualization, said it, nailed it, can happen in multiple things in your life. For example, you know, like that happened to you for music. Are, do you have kids? Are you a mother? No. Okay. I, Not yet. <laughs> I promise you when that happens, that a moment like that will happen. This happens to me. I don't want to say daily, but it happens a lot, like a lot when you're a parent. Like I'll be holding my two-year-old daughter right here and she'll kind of just like lay her, her head right on my shoulder, suck her two fingers. And like, it's really, really cute, but just like holding her there. And it, and it is a euphoric self-actual, oh, 
it's a really beautiful moment and it's just like man this is like one of the reasons why i'm here like this is so beautiful yeah i mean i can't even that that's got to be on an entirely different level yeah it's very similar though because i know i know the feeling that you're talking about i've had it with music as well and so it's, it's very similar i i do think it probably arguably is on a deeper level because it is a child it is an actually physical human being that you created I also get the same feeling, you know, like with my three-month-old son. I can grab his hands and he'll he'll grasp my thumbs and I'll kind of like shake his hands a little bit. He'll get this big old gummy smile on. <laughs> it's so cute. That's so cute. Yeah. So like when it when it's like that, it's like man, like this is one of the reasons why I'm here. Like this is so amazing. And so I want anyone who's listening to this, including you, Laura, is that understand that that can come in multiple waves. It can come in multiple different places in life. Is it, it seems like it's extremely fruitful and extremely abundant in music. And so with that, I say, keep riding that wave, keep doing that. Be on the lookout for, for other ones too, because you don't want to miss out on the other ones. The other ones are really good. <laughs> so I have a very similar question to the one that I just asked you, but it is, it, it's kind of, it's a little bit darker. Looking at the totality of your life, this may, you know, the answer could be music related. It could be not. What is the most hardest, painful, darkest thing that you've went through, but it was so needed, it was so beautiful that you wouldn't trade it for anything? I'm going to get pretty personal here. And I think it would be getting my heart broken because I think falling in love for the first time really changes you. But I think getting your heart broken for the first time might possibly change you even more. I'm not sure. Both of them are pretty powerful, but I think that I learned a lot from that. And it also provided a lot of inspiration. And this was a long time ago. This was probably when I was like 17, 18, still more when I was like still starting music. For me, it was a very hard and intense experience. I think it just kind of changed everything. I, I could still probably look back on that time and still even find inspiration from it. Obviously, I've had a lot of experiences since then because I'm 27 now. If I look back on my whole life and if I can say that that's probably the hardest thing I've been through, I think I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. I mean, definitely like the anxiety is is that too, but I, I didn't say that because I had panic disorder. And that was very hard. But I mean, I wouldn't say that that was like beautiful. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't say that that was more beneficial. So I would say, I'm sorry that you got your heart broken. It's okay. It sucks. <laughs> Thank you, though. It really, yeah. really, 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 really sucks. <laughs> it's awful. It, it is awful. The important thing that at least that I've learned, I am not perfect at this at all. I struggle with this all the time. But the important thing is when something like that in your life happens, it could be a heartbreak. It could be losing someone. It could be an accident that happened to you. It could be a disease. It could be financial troubles. It could be it could be a lot of different things. I think what we're all striving for is to let it go, so to say, but still hold on to like the beautiful embers that came from that fire. Yeah, totally. It's like that Dead Mouse song, I remember. It's yeah. like that lyric. Yeah. You don't have to move on to let go. I remember when I heard that song for the first time and I was like, that says it perfectly. You have to leave the past in the past. When you go through something like that, it does kind of become part of you. It kind of shapes you. So it's like you can't fully like leave it. I do promise you that there will be a moment in your life and it, it is a beautiful moment, Laura. It is worth living a life to get this moment there, but there will be a moment when you find someone 
And when you find that person, you know, you look in their eyes and you just are filled with so much love. And it seems like basically all the chaos that is floating around you, all the fogginess, all the darkness, everything just comes and just lines up and it makes complete and utter sense why you had to walk through every bit of darkness to get where you are. It's cheesy and I could care less, but it happened with my wife. I'm like you, I've been through some crazy, like brutal, <laughs> bad, bad relation. Like, oh man. I understand. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'm like the, the day that we got married, it was that. It was like the perspective of a lifetime. And it was just like, oh my gosh, this is why. This is why none of that worked out. Because yeah. it led you to your wife. Exactly. Like everything you went through, everything you learned, it prepared you. Yes for your wife and then the same thing for her. I hope so, or that would have been really awkward. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's beautiful though. That's I believe that things happen for a reason. I completely and utterly agree. Now, final question for you. Two questions, one's deep, one's longish, and then one's really quick, but the deep and longish one. All right, I'm gonna give you a scenario. <laughs> <laughs> okay, give me. I'm gonna need 27 seconds. 27 seconds? That's it. That's all I'm gonna That's need. my lucky number. <laughs> what? Yeah, <laughs> it is. <laughs> Are you reading my mind? <laughs> I'm actually studying psychology right now. <laughs> no. Oh my gosh, that's, that's so funny. That is good. That is really good. <laughs> okay, no. No. No, because that's just, why? You can't ask that. It's just too sad. <laughs> no, it's it's a really sad question when I phrase it like that. Okay, but it's a good question. Okay, let me. It's okay. I can I can deal with that. You can handle. Uh, well, ah, okay, I can do it. Okay. Oh, this is painful. Okay, Laura has a baby, and it is a daughter, and she loves that daughter. But then something happens, and you are taken away from that daughter. See how it's taken a dark turn. See how it's painful. So you are taken from this daughter for a set amount of time by some miracle. You are brought back together with your daughter for a very short, brief period of time. What do you tell your daughter? This is an interesting question because this is something I've I've never thought of before. I love stuff like that though. I love like imagining something like that for the first time. And like, it's weird too, cause I feel like the answers came to me immediately. I would just say like, I was with you the whole time, like in spirit. <laughs> I know it's gonna make me emotional. Hey. And I don't have a daughter. Kind of just thought, what would like my mom say? Or like, what would my grandma say to me? I feel like if that happened. So yeah, I'd say, I loved you. Every second, I thought of you every second of every day. Totally turning scientific with it. This is really interesting. I guess I shouldn't say scientific. There's this There's this school of thought that could potentially be scientific about this certain subject. We believe that there's three states of matter. There's a solid, a liquid, and a gas. Well, yeah. we don't know if there's more. We don't know if there's more states. And what I mean by that is, what if the connection that you feel with people especially, you know, like people that you were extremely close with, children, partners, friends, and so on and so forth. That connection that you feel with him actually could be very scientific. It actually could be a certain type of matter that you connect with them. And it doesn't matter where you go. You can go across the world. You could leave this world. You could die. You could, you could be whatever. But that connection still exists. That matter still exists, right? Call it energy. Call it frequency. Call it you know, spirit. Call it what, what have you. I truly do believe that because you're right. If you were separated from your theoretical daughter, I don't know if you could go a day, an hour, a 15-minute interval without thinking about her or connecting with her some level. I agree with that too. I think the realms of energy, connection, spirit, 
thought, dreams, like anything like that. That's one of the main things that inspires me as an artist. I'm gonna say a cheesy phrase, but it's like, just cause you can't see it doesn't mean it's not there. Just because our brain and our eyeballs don't process it, why does that make it not there? There's so much more, so much that we don't understand or have a way to understand or mathematically explain or, or whatever. We think we know a lot, but we probably know just a little, exactly. like a little, little bit on the spectrum of. Lord, this is such a good concept. Oh, this is so good. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. My first example is wind. You can't see wind, but it's there. <laughs> My other example is UV radiation. It's there, I promise. <laughs> so obviously things are there. But you know, a lot of these people, when they have the arguments, you know, a lot of people, when, when they bring up these type of arguments saying like, oh, this can't exist because I can't see it or so on and so forth, or it's not scientific, therefore I don't believe in it, so on and so forth. It, a lot of times what their argument is, do you know the possibility of something like that existing? It's very low, so I can't believe in that. And with that, every single time I want to refute and be like, let me tell you something about probability, possibility, okay? Do you know what had to happen for you to get here? Do you understand the probability of you being here right now? It is insane. If we went back 150 generations, if we looked at all of them and what had to happen for eventually you to come here, that would mean that over 250 million people had to come together, decide to have a baby, live, exist, and Keep going down the spectrum for you to exist. You wanna talk about something that's improbable, you sir, you are improbable. Right, not just those generations, but everything else. Earth to even get here, the first bacteria. I remember watching like a TED talk or like some YouTube video or something about this, it was like one in 42 trillion or something, yeah. like chance that you're alive, that alone. Whew. So. Don't tell me that there's not a possibility or a probability that something like a connection between two people can exist. Don't, don't you <laughs> right. tell me. Or if like people like, say like souls don't exist. It's like, all right, go ahead and uh, believe that, I guess, but. Now, disclaimer, I do need to say this for my own sake and for so people don't blast us in the comments. There is merit to scientific yes, experimentation, absolutely. to science, to whatever you want to say. But let us all remember, 50 years ago, people said that cigarettes were healthy and Wi-Fi would never exist. <laughs> so, with a grain of salt, right? I'm not saying science is always wrong, but I am definitely saying science is not always right. I mean, not too long ago, people still thought that the universe revolved around the Earth. That is true. Laura, this has been a fantastic conversation. I have one final question, which is probably the most important question that I could ever ask someone on this show. Did you have a good time? Yes, definitely. Honestly, this is, I think, the best interview I've ever had. It really has. <laughs> Ego boost. <laughs> <laughs> is there any final words that you want to say to, to the to the listeners? Just thank you so much, Wyatt, for, for making this show and for featuring artists like me and, you know, Evoke and Austin. And I just want to say, like, keep it up. Everyone should go follow Behind the Daw. Thank you so much, Laura. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you for having me on the show.